This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. You are listening to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And I'm your host, Breezy. And I'm your other host, Ray Ray. And this is episode 31. And this episode, we will have a former pro joining us by the name of Brad Lieb. And he also has his own podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network that actually releases this week. Brand new, first episode this week. Yes. And we got a little preview with him to talk about uh, his podcast, Life After Hockey, and what he's going to be talking about on the podcast. But he also took us through his you know, his whole playing career, playing in Germany, uh, playing with his brother in Germany, uh, growing up together with a, a hockey brother. His He's got some good stories for us uh, to yeah. share, which, you know, is our favorite part of, of asking these guys about their time playing. And he also uh, is really, really transparent about his life after hockey and what he went through and the challenges he faced, even playing hockey from the mental side of things and always, you know, identifying as a hockey player. And then what happens when you, you know, stop playing. And it's a, it's a very in-depth interview. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. We had a lot of fun talking to Brad and I think that we think his podcast is going to be, uh, really cool a different dynamic to all the other podcasts that are out there right now um and i i think brad's doing really good things and it was uh, a breath of fresh air to hear hockey being talked about uh at a different angle than what um i think most people are used to so stay tuned for that that'll be on here uh shortly yes there's been a lot of action since the season ended off ice with free agency, the 500 goalies that are up for, for to be able to be traded. There's been a lot of action. We had the draft since we last talked to you guys. A lot. It's just been a lot of crazy. It feels like Christmas. You just like don't know. Or no, it's like getting a surprise box. And opening it up and being like, oh, this player's going here now? Okay, sure. It's been uh, it's been fun to watch. Still going on. And I think a lot of people might be wondering how I feel about Crawford leaving the Blackhawks since I've talked about that quite a bit uh, here and uh, on other podcasts as a guest. And... I'm fine with Crawford leaving. What I'm not fine with is that Bowman is making 
the decision to rebuild the team and the core four boys, Kane, Taze, Keith, and Seabrook were sort of blindsided and weren't talked about, weren't talked to about any of these changes and they're not really happy about it. And they got, Taze has gone on the record and, and I don't have the exact quote, but um, he, not, nobody told him is basically what he said about uh, Crawford leaving and these decisions to groom these younger players. And they're not really happy about it. And I got to be honest, they deserve better. Those four guys have quite a few years left on their contracts, a couple of years, and this is the peak of their career. And to take away the opportunity for them to not be able to win a Stanley Cup, it, it's just not right. And they've been loyal to the organization and to the fans. And it's it's it really gives me that like yucky feeling in my stomach, like what Bowman is doing. And like, he's almost trying to force them to, to move, like, cause they can decide if they want to be moved. And it's like, he's almost forcing their hand to say, you guys have to make the decision. I'm not going to be the one to, to do this. And I don't, I, I just can't stand it. I think it's a disgusting behavior. I think that is not how you treat those guys. And I mean, I would not blame them if after this season, any of them try to leave. I, I don't want them to, but they deserve better than Bowman. I, I really think Bowman has got to go. I just, I don't, I don't believe in, in what's happening right now. And they still have it in them to really try to go somewhere and, and take it to the cup and get in the playoffs again, but not with Subban in goal or, you know, <laughs> letting these other players, these other goalies, get the NHL experience. Like now is not the time when you still have Kane and Taze and, and Duncan Keith on your squad, in my opinion. And, the, and they kept um, Kubalik, which I'm very happy about. And, and that's great, but it's just. Yeah. I mean, sad. I think that the, I think there's a lot of teams that are, that are kind of in the same boat. I think that there's a lot of guys that have big contracts across the league and in certain teams that, you know, could get so close, but, you know, aren't quite there and changes need to be made and, and probably fans that feel exactly like how you do. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just sad. It's, it's I'm tough. Sad. It's tough. This is, I, I was telling my, uh, my nephew, I was like, I hate this part of the year. Everyone's <laughs> leaving. Everyone's coming and going. I'm not happy about it. This is sad. I feel like it's a whole new team. I don't know what's going on, um, but it's fun because, I mean, you don't win championships by, you know, keeping the same team day in and day out. Um, people and teammates get bored of each other and their team uh, dynamic changes, players grow, players, you know, take on new parts of the game. And it, it sometimes it just doesn't work in the same kind of uh, playing field that, you know, you're used to playing. So, I think it's a good thing. I think there's a way to go about it that, like you said, you're, you're not happy with it. So, but at the same time, I think it just comes down to the way it's presented and you either have to, uh, you know, elevate off of it or you can, you can dwell on it, I guess. I mean, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but 
Yeah. Uh, from, from a player standpoint, I think you can either be mad and, and show it in your level of play, or you can be mad and uh, not let it affect your game and, and just try to, to be the best you can play. Oh, God, it's got to be really hard to be in that position knowing that your team's fucking shit. And like, <laughs> and, and you have to go out there and play to this like high level, like it's yeah. that motivation. It's got to, it's got to be really hard for them to find that motivation. And yeah. And when you know your ownership is not communicating with some of these core guys that have been there for a long time and, you know, I, I just I, I, not that they have to consult with the players because obviously, you know, that's that's, you know, the GM gets to decide. But when you yeah. have these guys under these long contracts who've been with your team and you're claiming are the core of your team, mm-hmm. you know, a little a little conversation could go a long way, not saying that you have to accept everything they say and their opinions, but not including them in the conversation, I think really puts a bitter taste in the player's mouth. And then that's going to show up on the ice. I'm, I think the morale and and all of that and the the chemistry and everything that goes on behind closed doors is just as important. Yeah. But I, I think it does come down to one of those things where you can just, you know, you can, dwell on it or you can just accept the fate because at the end of the day, I mean, it's uh, it's sports, it's professional sports and people are going to get traded. You're going to get blindsided. I mean, as we've talked to a couple of guests and people get blindsided with being traded. And I think it's one of those things where it's just the nature of the game. And I don't know, it, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. It's tough as a fan. It's tough as a player. And it's, it's tough as, you know, being a part of the family too. I mean, you got to think these people are have to up, uproot their lives to, to go to a new city, a new town and make new friends and yeah. uh, tough life. Well, I'm dwelling and I'm moping right now. Okay. That's I'm, fine. You're I'm going to mope for another day. <laughs> You're allowed to. You're allowed to. It's fine. I was looking at, uh, I've been refreshing like TSN to see yeah. like, the trades and the new signings and some of them come over and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this sucks. Like who? Like who? This is crazy. Uh, what well, I was really sad to see Craig Smith got traded, uh, or I guess not traded, but picked up, uh, by Boston. So he, he left the Preds and he's going to Boston. Uh, Austin Watson on the Preds also, uh, was moved over to the Ottawa senators and Austin Watson has, um, I don't know, he kind of pulls in my heartstrings a little bit. He's he's been through a lot. Uh, the Preds Foundation and organization have also helped him uh, overcome some internal things that he's been going through, and he just brings a lot to the locker room. So to see that toothless smile go <laughs> uh, to a town that, again, their team just sucks, and you want something good for for Austin uh, as a person. Well, I do at least, and so yeah. um, I hope he. I think he'll do well there. Um, you also lost what Turris and um... Turris is gone. Nick Bonino's now gone. Um, yeah, I mean a... the, the Kings aren't the Kings aren't doing anything. Let's just be real. I think Rob Blake is just waiting to see who's going to be left over and who he can piece together. Um, what about the Leafs? Been... Any big action over there? 
Oh, no. no, they did well. They signed on uh, Bogosian, Zach Bogosian, who just won the cup with the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. They moved out uh, Andreas Johnson. Um, I mean, they're they're doing little moves here and there. Nothing, nothing super crazy. We picked up Wayne Simmons, which is really cool. Uh, he's going to bring a lot to to the team, but um, no no real big moves. I mean, there's a lot of big names that are that are on the market right now and. I feel like the same teams are, are in talks of picking them up. I mean, Vegas is in talks of picking up Alex Petrangelo. Um, Taylor Hall is also being thrown out there too. And it's like, why can't Rob Blake just, just pick up one of these big guys and just ship out someone else who's not doing much? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's a tough life. Yeah. I think, like you said, a lot of hockey fans are feeling – this way there's also a lot of happy hockey fans yeah um i think i saw i'm trying to remember the second person that detroit picked up but detroit um took bobby ryan who's we've talked about several times here on the podcast um and they picked up somebody else who i was i think it was maybe it was a goalie um but I was happy to see Detroit bring in some some of that because they have such a young team uh, in Detroit. Not that, and now, yeah. yes, that's who it was, and uh, the goalie, Thomas and he's Stetcher. a he's yeah. a solid goaltender. And I think bringing in some more of those veteran guys into that young building in Detroit, I think, will really help them. And I was excited to see that. Uh, I'm curious why Crawford went to New Jersey of of all places. Like the Devils, that team is such a cluster. I, I, I don't know. I I, I can't uh, I can't understand that move, but we'll see. New Jersey like brings in these guys. I don't know what they promise them there. They bring in like all these names, and then they just can't play to save their life i mean granted they had a lot going on last year when they lost their you know the coach and the management and all that i mean that's unfortunate for any team regardless but uh i don't know it's gonna be interesting yeah Yeah. and uh lundquist went down to the caps yeah which was pretty cool um yeah i don't know it's gonna be super interesting i'm still waiting to see what my boy tyler toffoli's gonna do i had a dream last night that I like watched him walk into like a parking garage and like all like the Canucks guys were all walking over giving a high five. And I was like, he's staying. And I was like, wait a second. That was a dream. Is he staying? Like, I don't know. Why do I have such weird dreams? I don't know. It's, I don't know. Does anybody um, have normal dreams? I feel like a lot of people have normal dreams, but I have like, Oh, I don't weirdly vivid dreams. Like I felt like I was in the parking garage with them <laughs> in a freaking parking garage. Really? Like where was I? I don't even <laughs> Hey, you know, we're dreaming about hockey. It's all that matters. Yeah. So I'm waiting. Uh, I'm going to continue to refresh until I see his name pop up and and see where he lands. And who knows, maybe the Kings will bring him back. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. We've got to talk about, I think that's like about all. I mean, the draft went sort of as expected. I, I don't think there was anything really... I don't I don't really follow the the up-and-coming players like nearly I, I don't really dive into that side of the game at this point mm-hmm. so I can't really offer any you know true opinions about 
any of these draft picks other than what's already been reported by other people. So, um, I mean, that's all good and fine. (laughs) No, I didn't feel any particular way. Did you? Yeah. Do you, uh, how do you no, feel about the I mean, I feel like it went pretty, uh, pretty as expected. Um, you know, the Kings had the number two draft pick, which they picked up Quinn Byfield, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, been paying a little bit of attention, just knowing that the Kings had such a low draft pick, so that was cool. Um, but it's interesting. Being a high draft pick. I mean, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, high draft pick. Yeah. Sorry, I think of like low numbers. I'm still used to playing car. I don't know. Whatever. It's okay. Um, so that was pretty cool. Although I'm a lot of, you know, Kings fans are saying that he's still a, a good year or two out from playing in the, in the big league. And it's like, you got to figure a lot of these, you know, onesie twosie draft picks they're they're in the starting lineup. I mean, they're not the starting lineup, but I mean, they're playing, you know, on the first of the season. So curious to see what's going to be going on there. Um, yeah, because this year I think it's going to be a little bit different with like yeah. without camps and like the traditional way that they do, you know, training camps and stuff. I think that's all still up in the air. So giving right. these draft picks an opportunity to get some ice time and and to really see how they gel with the team, I think it's going to make for an interesting season. Yeah. Exactly. And the season is not supposed to start until January. So uh, we got some, we got some, some ways to go. I don't know. That's how I feel about it. If you couldn't tell, by the way, that my voice just sounded, I I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I know. Uh, And that's, that's great. That's great. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I just, yeah, there's no point in talking about like, what are they going to do? Is there going to be a bubble? What's going to happen? I mean, we don't have any. No, we just need to tell. No. What I do want to say to you, though, is congratulations. Thank you. About (laughs) your favorite player, Roman Yossi, becoming a dad. Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> thanks yes so, that was exciting news i was very happy for him and his wife that's i i didn't expect it to be this early i'm not gonna lie i thought i didn't think they were gonna have uh, a baby this early but that's great good for them how long He's have they been great dad yeah how long have they been married Is they got new? married last year okay which i guess is normal but i having i mean she's a model she she's kind of travels in and out everywhere um but knowing that like they're still like well i guess they're they're my age but i thought they would have at least waited like another year or two but congratulations to them i'm very happy for them he's gonna be a great dad she's cool i like her they have two dogs they rescue dogs too and foster so i like them a lot good I'm Which glad I told you do. via text and you're like, yeah. I'm glad you approve of his life choices. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you approve of her. And I think it's yeah. something like, do we like her? <laughs> yeah. like, do we like her? And I was like, yeah, she's good. <laughs> That's good. Okay, fine. We're, we she's like good. him. We're happy about this. Yes. That's good. Our podcast is proud to be on the Hockey Podcast Network. And the network is home to many other incredible podcasts, including this one. 
Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bolts broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. Anthony? Anthony Nunschwander. It's, it's N-E-U-E-N. It's Neuenschwander. Anthony Neuenschwander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know... I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. Took it for two years? Oh, no. Jay don't yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was, like, asleep in all of German, too. Oh, you, you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was, like, me... And I don't know five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us. While she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible class. <laughs> no, uh, we weren't a terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, not going to mention names. Not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. It was hundred <laughs> percent not me. Oh boy, I know a couple of those names, but uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. This week's guest is former pro hockey player Brad Lieb. He had a cup of coffee, a nice big cup of coffee in the NHL with the Canucks and Leafs. I've always wanted to say that. And he spent most (laughs) of his pro career in the American Hockey League. He also played in Germany and the UK, which we have to talk about because we've had some guests on from there. And Brad is... Busy doing a lot of other things now, including he is launching a podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. So welcome to our uh, Hockey Podcast Network family. And your podcast is called Life After Hockey. So welcome. Welcome to the House of Hockey. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here and, and appreciate you guys having me on. So I guess before we talk about your life after hockey... Why don't we talk about your hockey life to start <laughs> and uh, tell us just how you got into playing hockey in, in the beginning and growing up uh, where you did in Canada and give us a little bit of backstory. Yeah, I grew up in Red Deer, Alberta, and like most kids that play hockey in Canada, you wanted to play in the NHL and I was no different. We had a lot of outdoor rinks where where I grew up so you know getting on the ice wasn't difficult to do to to go find a place to play and I was also fortunate to have an older brother that really enjoyed the game as well so you know we've I'm still close with my brother and you know I, I feel that that was definitely one of the the big things that helped me develop growing up and and yeah we we both ended up going to play in the Western Hockey League before you go into the uh, days with the Canucks, tell us about playing with your brother. You guys played against against each other, right? And then you've also played on the same team? Yeah. Well, growing up, I mean, street right. hockey, we were playing against each other every day. I and mean, in like the professional side. Of yeah, things. But yeah, yeah. You could tell us about playing on the street together oh, it, and how, it, how lovely I'm sure he was to you. Well, and that's that's why I give it so much credit. Like I just had that built-in best friend at home that we would play all the time. It would be street hockey, it would be mini hockey in the basement or or whatever. It, it was, you know, great to have somebody to 
to compete with and learn from. And, and yeah, so he was two, he's two years older than me in minor hockey. We never got the chance to play on the same team. And so we didn't play against each other until we got to the Western league. And then later on in my career, we had the opportunity to, to, to finally play with each other. And that was kind of the, one of the biggest pulls to, to go over to Europe later in my career to finally get on his team. So yeah, we've been, we've been, connect, we've been connected all the way. Well, what was it like playing with him? Good, bad? It, it was, it was, uh, I, I loved it. I loved it. He, he's, like I said, he's, he's a, he's a very smart player and he's a centerman and I'm a winger. So it, we, it naturally fit. He shoots left, I shoot right. So it was, it was really a natural fit. And, and that was, you know, we knew that we were going to probably play on the same line on the same team. So that was part of, Hey, this is going to be fun. Like we've been playing with each other and against each other kind of street hockey growing up. And now you get to do it like in a real league where people like, Oh no, the Lee brothers. No. (laughs) Or like, what, what kind of like uh, chirps and sort of uh, experience was that, you know, being on the ice with opponents? Uh, I don't know. We're, I mean, we're, we're both not too big, so we're not too overly intimidating, but, you know, we try to, you know, be fast and skilled. And, and so. Well, I know a lot of people were talking, I know you said you, you played for the Canucks and obviously, you know, Daniel and, and Hendrick Sedin were on there and, be ha- like having the that brotherly bond with someone and kind of always knowing where they were on the ice. Would you say that mm. that's kind of like how you and your brother were playing? There's definitely a little bit of that for sure. I, I mean, I I wouldn't compare it to you know <laughs> identical Hall of Fame twins, but you know there there's a sense of you you're you're familiar with how they play and and where they're going to be. And the more you play with each other, the more you get to get to know that. And, and my brother was very much uh, a playmaker and I was very much uh, a shooter. So that just naturally fit. Do you have a favorite goal that comes to mind that, you know, your brother gave you an assist to, or, or you gave an assist to him? I don't know if I have a favorite. The, the one that would come to mind is, is just in our last game, we played our last game in, in the UK and, and we were in a, a, a tournament format, so we knew it was the last game. And the game didn't mean anything. So both teams were kind of, you know, it, it wasn't a, a really rough game. But we both wanted to, wouldn't it be great if we could both get a goal? Like, wouldn't it be great if we could both kind of finish our careers in this last game and get goals? And, and I remember Greg got, got a goal and I assisted on it early in the game. And then it wasn't until like later in the third that, you know, he's trying to feed me and feed me, trying to get a goal for me. And finally, I think one just trickled into the net. So to, to, to finish off a career like that and a game like that, it was, it was uh, more than you could ask for. Now tell us about your time in the UK. Who did you play for? Because we've had... Um couple of people on uh chloe she plays in the women's league well their version of the women's league if you could if you could even call it that in scotland and then we had the uk hockey fam podcast on and they've given us a pretty good 
uh, rundown of the whole league there and, and the hockey life there. But from a player's perspective, what was that like? We were over in Coventry, the Coventry Blaze, um, the EIHL. Um, and yeah, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was a great experience because there's not a lot of fans at the rink, but the fans that are there are super passionate and super all about the game. So, you know, there's a lot of familiar faces will show up every, every night. And, and after the games, you're interacting with a lot of the same people. So they, they have a very um, diehard uh, group fan base and each team has that. So there was a few NHLers in the league. So it just brought the whole um, caliber up. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, good players, and then and and there's a lot of young Brits as well that are that are, um, you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but th- there's just a huge discrepancy of you're talking about an NHL player, and like a young Brit player that, you know, may um, may have trouble making a, a a junior team in Canada, you know, no disrespect, but that's just the the discrepancy of of skill. So, you know, which made it for great hockey and interesting hockey and a lot can happen and mistakes can happen. And so, yeah, it was an interesting time to be over there. Well, speaking of the UK and just knowing that hockey isn't as popular there as it is in in North America, what would you say, what do you think that the UK would need to do in order to be able to produce better hockey players and grow the sport over there? Mm, great question. I mean, I, I think, you know, and my time in the UK was probably like eight seasons ago. So even then it's, it's, it's been developing, um, you know, before, before I ended up going into the league, I, I think it, it, it was, it, it, it has been improving. Like it, it was, it was a pretty weak league that you wouldn't really hear much about. And then all of a sudden now it's become an option for players. And now as these leagues become uh, more known and, and as the, you know, there's just so many caliber of players around the world that are trying to find jobs. Like it's naturally growing on its own. Give us a story, a good story, funny, tragic, whatever, a little bit of both drama from your time of playing, playing over there. Besides um, the amazing story of, of uh, you know, your, your last game with you and your brother, but uh, give us something fun, something we wouldn't necessarily wow, okay. expect. Um, so we had, we had a guy on our team named Ben Olson. Ben Olson was a, a big, huge, and actually from the island. He's originally from uh, Port McNeil, I believe. So big Ben Olson, they called him. Um, you know, obviously a reference to, to Big Ben in, in London. And he was our fighter and he would go out and, and, and fight whoever he needed to. And, and even at that time, uh, Paul Bissonette was, was also over in Cardiff. So they had a couple, you know, tilts together. Uh, and Coventry and Cardiff would always have kind of a rivalry whenever we got together. And, and both, both teams at the time... Cardiff was in kind of a smaller rink. I think they got a new rink by now, but it was, you know, that animosity around the rink and the teams and, you know, you knew there's going to be some fights happening. 
So every time we'd go there, there would be some fights, but there was one, one time it was just, it was so perfect that it was like a scene literally out of Slapshot that there was after the game, police came to our door, knocking on the door, looking for Ben Olsen because he came off the ice and you have to kind of walk through the fans and you know, they kind of have to fence it off as the guys come off the ice to get to the dressing room. So there was fans on our side of the fence and one guy was going after Ben Olsen. So the, he, he wasn't in trouble by any means. He's, he's, he's almost defending himself, but I mean, you call it defending yourself. This fan came after him and he pretty much one punched a fan and <laughs> you know, went into the room, which is the commotion with the cops, but it was, it was just so perfectly, um, <laughs> It was such it was such a scene out of, out of Slapshot. The 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 cops coming to the door, knocking, looking for Big Ben Olsen. So that's funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Should we move on to uh, your time playing in Germany because that's so different from what I've yeah. heard. Like the the fan experience there is is very like their in game experience is big time, and the fans mm. there are pretty intense from what I've heard. Right. Yeah, I think it, Germans it, in general are intense. <laughs> no, like I, I, <laughs> again, like just passionate fans. Yeah, and and very much kind of like that kind of the the soccer mentality with the chanting and the drums and like that that you see in a big soccer stadium, but like in an arena, and you know fans that would show up. Uh, you know, hours before the game to set up all their stuff and start their chants and like very, I mean, it's, you, you could be in the dressing room, you know, maybe an hour before not even getting ready yet. And the fans are out there starting to cheer and starting to, you know, bang on their drum. They're warming up. Jeez. What was really cool about Germany, it's the league that has the most um, import players allowed on the team. So, so essentially the team ends up being, you know, half German and half imports and majority of the imports are usually North American majority, you know, hand, handful of, of Americans, but majority Canadians. So there's a familiar feel over there with that hockey. And so from that standpoint, it's kind of an easier transition. Now, what's life like living in, in Germany and playing? And what's like, what do you do for fun out there? I mean, do you hang out with the team? Your brother was there, so. Well, I, I don't speak German. You know, I was over there for four, five seasons and didn't learn any German. And do you mean to tell us that you went to <laughs> Germany and didn't learn German before you went? <laughs> No, like I, I, I could probably no, order coffee and a beer, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> tell me one player in 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 hockey that ever like learned a language before moving to that country to play. But I mean, even we weren't we were spoiled because we were even coached in English. Wow. So so that's I mean I guess that's you know kind of what I mean. Like I didn't have to learn the language. Like we were always spoken to in English. They you know accommodated us and. Um, so again, that, that's another reason that it was, you know, an easier transition. Um, 
And, and when you go over to, to Europe, a, a lot of uh, leagues will, you know, put you up in an apartment, give you, give you a car. And a lot of these places might be close together. And, and when we were living in Nuremberg, there was uh, a group of apartments that there's probably, you know, half a dozen guys within that area. So very easy to go, you know, visit someone, hang out. My brother and his kids were living like a five minute, not even walk away. Um, so, so yeah, th there's, th there's, there's a feel of, of family. You get to really know your teammates because you don't know anybody else. And you, so you spend a lot of time with each other. So any fun stories from Germany, like big Ben, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a, 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 a dry sidle story. Ooh, and, okay. and, uh, uh, not Leon, uh, Peter, his dad. So I was, we went through a couple of coaching changes, uh, my last year in Nuremberg. And at the end of the year, we had Peter Dreisaitl come in and, and Peter's, uh, you know, he's a very kind of hard nosed kind of like old school German, uh, coach. And, you know, there's a lot of frustration, you know, on the team and, you know, not really winning. And, you know, my brother and I were, you know, not having the best year at that time. And I have no um, ill will against Peter, but it's just, you know, it's just funny to, to think about it now that, you know, we would, when we're on the road, we had kind of like a double decker bus. And so all the coaches would be downstairs and all the players would be upstairs. And it wouldn't be out of the norm to stop at a gas station for snacks. And, you know, you could grab a, grab a couple beers if you wanted at a gas station because they sell them there and, and bring it onto the bus. I didn't get any beers, but I, I bought a bottle of wine. And so got on the bus, head down the road, but I didn't have an opener. So I knew the bus driver had an opener. And so I went down down the stairs to the front of the bus, you know, took the cork out, recorked it. And then as I was walking back up to go to my seat, um, you know, I, how do you, how do you interact with your coach at that time? Do you just, you not say anything? Do you say, hi, what's up? Do you like, you know, cheers? Like, you know, so I walking back and just kind of just gave him a nod. And the next day, I was called into his office because, you know, just I think he interpreted that as I was kind of being cocky about it, like come down and, you know, your bottle of wine and kind of like what's up to the coach. And so <laughs> and again, we're in it. We're in a situation like we're, we're losing. It's it's a bad year. So he actually kicked me off the team. Oh. He, he said, oh you know, go home. No, you're, you're done. And I, and I was totally shocked. Didn't, I thought he was going to, you know, maybe get upset at the way I was playing or something like that. But, but he, uh, he kicked me off the team and, and I just, I was so surprised. I was frustrated at the time I left. I ended up staying at home for a couple of days. The GM phoned me and said, okay, you know, don't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, we'll sort this out. I basically got kicked off the team um, for drinking wine, I guess. Wine and a head nod. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh my gosh, that's so funny. 
That's uh, yeah, something you never forget. <laughs> Tell us, um, we're sort of like going all out of order here, but that doesn't matter. Tell us about um, playing in the NHL and what was that like and, and playing for the Canucks and you know, tell us who you played with, throw out some familiar names for people as well to sort of set the the time in, in which you were there and and then yeah. tell us about those experiences. Yeah. So, you know, I, I signed with the Canucks uh, in 1999. Uh, and, and really, I, I feel that I played in the World Juniors in 99 in, in Winnipeg. Yeah, we haven't even touched on that, like, really big deal part of your hockey career, but go ahead. <laughs> well, and, and I mention it because I, I did have a good tournament, which led to an opportunity. So the my opportunity was, at the time, I could go to, and I wasn't drafted. So I could go to, I got invited to the Canucks camp, and I got invited to the LA Kings camp. And it was kind of my choice, where do you want to go? And the Kings had a rookie camp before their main camp and they weren't guaranteeing that I would make it to the main camp. And Canucks, the Canucks said, you know, come to our main camp. Like we want you to come. So just having that little bit more interest is what skewed my decision. Like, okay, I'm going to go to Vancouver, went there. And, and that was, um, you know, the era of, of Mark Messier in Vancouver. Played well enough to, to sign a three-year entry-level deal and ended up in Syracuse of the AHL. Yeah, three years in Vancouver, got called out for a couple cups of coffee. And um, I, I was just looking the other day. So I played five games in the NHL and three were against the Ottawa Senators. So I didn't even realize that, but I guess Ottawa was was the, the, the team. The, the question's always, how was it? How was it like to play in the NHL? How was your first game? And, and my answer was just like, it's, it's exactly what you think it would be. Like, it was amazing. And it was like, you're just running on adrenaline and everything is just so professional around you. The team's treated so well. You know, everyone's just at the top of the game. Like, you're not just with the top, you know, NHL players, you're, you're like, you're with the best coaches, you're with the best trainers, you're with the best of everybody, because that's the NHL level. So, you know, just, just a great experience to be around that atmosphere and, and how, you know, people approach the game, how they, how they treat the game. And, and yeah, like, you know, you're just on adrenaline the whole time. And, and, and sometimes you'll hear like people will talk about it being, almost easier to play at the NHL level. And the reason for that is because everybody is so good. You know, it, it's the, the passes are always on the stick. You know, everybody's where they're supposed to be. So, you know, the mistakes are, are fewer. They're, at, at, at a lower level, at a minor league level, there'll be more mistakes, which makes the game just messy and, and you know, things will just happen. There'll be more mistakes and more things will happen. So, so yeah, if you're flying down the ice, um, you know, Marcus Naslin's going to hit your tape every time and it just makes it easier because it's right there. So, so yeah, it, it was, you know, a dream come true. Um, and, and, and even more so my, uh, my, my mom, my, my late mother was able to watch and my dad were able to watch the game on TV. So just cool. Like you get to that level, you know, you kind of, 
you know, are able to, to share it with, with the ones you love. So it was, I was grateful that my, my parents were able to watch. I really like that perspective you just offered of how it's actually easier to play once you get through all of the emotions and the adrenaline and all of that. I, I haven't heard it described in that way. And um, that makes a lot of sense to me as a non NHL hockey player, but that, that certainly seems, seems like it's a lot more fun then because you're, you're able to really do what you practice and what you're, what you're trying to do. So tell us about your uh, time with the Leafs as well. And any other good stories you've got uh, with your time in, in either in, in the, um, either of the NHL uh, teams or uh, any of the AHLs and leagues of that sort? Yeah, so I played one game with the, one regular season game with the Leafs. Um, you know, you play preseason games, but they only count like the regular season games. So on record, I played one game with the Leafs. And that was really cool for me uh, because that was my dad's favorite team growing up. So, you know, to play for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs and to play that one game was in Toronto uh, against Ottawa. And, and yeah, we got smoked that game. We, we got beat, I think, 7-1. Uh, I was on a line with Kyle Wellwood um, and Nathan, Nathan Parrott. And what was cool about Toronto is, like, that was the era that before the salary cap. So that was the days when the Leafs were, were buying all these players. So you look around the room, and I'm probably going to forget some, but so many Hall of Famers, like Ed, Ed Belfour was there, uh, Joe Neuendijk, Matt Sundin, uh, Alexander Mogilny, uh, Eric Lindros, Brian Leach. Like you're talking like legit Hall of Famers, you know, and, and that's, you know. That's who you're competing against for a spot. Uh, true right I mean like totally. kind of I mean obviously you know not totally. all yeah. of those positions but those people that's you look around the room you might not be getting as many opportunities but it's still cool to see all these awesome you know players that that you've watched growing up sitting around the room and and Pat Quinn was a coach well before we get into life after hockey uh, I think we should touch on on fans um, how much, as I mean, you've played in, in games before and you have traveled and have seen a lot of different fans, how much of an impact do fans have on the game in, itself? Because I, f I think fans think that they could be, I know for one, I think I'm a jinx sometimes. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I do feel, I mean, just from sitting in arenas and listening to, to fans talking, they're like, well, we, you know, do the players not hear us? Do they, you know, not like when we do this or wooing or this or that, like how much do fans impact the players in the game? I definitely believe that fans in the atmosphere do make a difference and they can uh, create that energy that can support their home team. That's a real thing. You know, the, the individual fan that's, that's yelling um, one thing at one player, that kind of gets drowned out. Like you don't really hear that stuff. But as a whole, like, you know, when things are happening on the ice and everybody's getting excited and last minute of the game, like th there is definitely some energy that, that, that comes through. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, watching the games 
from this past playoffs, you know, you, you do hear the, the, uh, the sounds of the fans a little bit, but I, it would have, I would have liked to either be in the rink to, to experience that. And even just to hear what the players had to say about that. Cause you know, it, it, it it's it, they're, they're going to be focused on the game enough that you know it's not going to be um it's not going to change their game but it but it definitely like a hometown crowd could definitely boost you up well so you're saying us fans we matter we matter totally. we make a difference <laughs> totally totally I, for sure i I, mean, I believe that yeah i mean even you know if even if it's just one person on the sideline you know, hey, you're doing great. Good job. Go get them. Like, of course, you're going to feel that and feel good. So think of 20,000 of those people doing that. Yeah, it definitely helps. Yeah. Well, tell us about life after hockey. What have you been up to? And tell us all about the podcast, which uh, has just come out um, by the, when this is airing. And uh, give us all the details on, on your life now. It's been a little bit of a journey for me in my life after hockey, which is, is kind of the, the, um, the inspiration behind, behind this. So my personal journey, I've been retired from professional hockey for about eight seasons, and it's been challenging for me. And the transition has been challenging and, and everybody's different. Everybody has their own journey. And, uh, the, you know, that's, that's the part that I'm, that I'm curious about. So, you know, for me, uh, I had, you know, obviously there's, there's the career changes, the job changes. Um, I had some relocation changes. Um, I had a young family. Um, I, you know, just to like get real, like I went through a lot of personal growth and development of my own identity. Like, who am I? Like, wh what do I, what do I do? What do I like to do? You know, and do I like the person that I am? And there was a lot that came up that was like, no, I don't. And so working to clean and clear that up. And, and part of my truth is I cheated on my wife and, you know, to actually confront that and then confront like everything around that. Um, you know, for me that led to separation and divorce. And so like, and, and, and then, and after hockey, uh, my, my dad passed away. So not like, that's my story and that's, everyone has a story. And my, my point is like, there, there's a lot of, everyone has change. So the life after hockey podcast is like, I want to interview former players about their journeys. You know, some people have you know, kind of had a seamless transition into life after hockey. Some guys have been, you know, dealing with different things. I want to, I want to talk about it and create a platform for that. And there's also uh, guys that are up to really cool things after hockey and, and supporting the different causes that they've had challenges with. So, you know, I, I, I'll just share that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be interviewing, uh, a few people that we talked about this before the interview and I, I want to just share anyway, because, um, you know, maybe it'll just kind of create it into fruition. Um, I'm going to be uh, connecting with Corey Hirsch. So Corey Hirsch, former goalie, 
uh, NHL or Olympic silver medalist, and he's very much into the mental health and wellness. And he talks about his own mental illness and, and that experience. Like, curious about what guys are up to after hockey, but also create a platform for some of these players that are up to really cool things to support, you know, perhaps the guy that's riding the bus, thinking about retirement, the guy that might be two or three years into retirement and confused and not knowing what's going on. And even for just, you know, the, the person that's not playing hockey, that we all go through stuff. So my work that I do aside from this podcast is in the personal coaching, personal development space. So, you know, that's where I've had to come to terms with my own stuff and clear my own stuff. Um, my infidelity was directly um, connected to um, alcohol and a lot of pain that I've like suppressed and pushed down and ignored. And, um, you know, you, you just go back and, 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 you know, get curious and, and, you know, you got to do the work if, if you want to um, create that shift and get to that next level. So for me, it's like for years, I was, my, my goal and my vision and my commitment was to make the NHL. So that was my, that was success to me. So what does success look like for me now? Like, like that, that's the whole thing that I would, that's the whole question I was, I was playing with. And, you know, success for me now is definitely to be the best version of myself that I can be in all aspects. So, you know, with business and with my family and with my spirituality and, you know, in my legacy of what I want to create. So, you know, to work with, um, and, and in my personal coaching, I work uh, specifically with men to support guys that I feel guys need that support. Um, I mean, we all do. And I want to support guys going through difficult things. I grew up in a very conservative household that, you know, I didn't talk about my feelings, you know, and, and even, you know, to even go back a little bit, when I got traded was the summer of 2002. And during that summer, within a three or four week time, I was rehabbing a knee injury that I didn't know if I was going to actually fully heal from it. Um, my girlfriend at the time uh, became unexpectedly pregnant. My, my mom was in and out of the hospital and she passed away. And then I was traded on the day of her funeral from the Canucks to the Leafs. So as a 23 year old guy, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what to do with all that. So like, even if you look at my stats, like I had the most penalty minutes the year after all that happened because I just had so much anger and pain and, you know, and then, you know, go, you know, drink it away after the game. And I just didn't know what, I didn't know how to deal and process that. Yeah, it's really hard when you don't have the tools. Like I, I can relate to, I mean, not all of those things, but when, you, in that, when you're in that place of wanting to not live in the, that mental loop that you're in, if you're like, God, I just like hate who I am or what, I, like, what I'm doing and I want to change. And then you start looking back and you look at those decisions, you know, you can see, oh, that's why I had all those penalty minutes. You know, I, I had no outlet. I had no one telling me or helping me to explain that, like, you're hurt and you, and, and you're, you haven't processed it. And here's how you do that. And here's how you work through it. 
you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible work what you're doing because so many people don't have that, those, that safe place to, to discover that. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just no, think I, a lot of people are really going to connect with what you're saying and, and what you're doing and how you're helping people, whether they're, you know, uh, former pro hockey players or anybody that you're coaching. I, I absolutely agree. And, and, and the, the intention with the podcast and even with this, even with me sharing, it's, it's not about me and my story. It's, it's just about creating conversation because we're not talking about it. And, you know, there's people out there that are going through stuff. We all go through stuff. So we need to start to have the conversation and, and make it okay to talk about it. And then perhaps you can learn from someone else that's gone through the same thing. So, you know, it comes from a place of support and, you know, and obviously it's, you know, it's selfishly, I get to connect back with former players and, 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 you know, talk about hockey a little bit. And on top of that, it's like, yeah, creating the platform for what they're up to and creating possibly a supportive conversation for anyone that might be dealing with the same thing. Yeah, I think that's really needed, you know, more more so than ever. And I, I if people are uh, listening to this and not watching um, on YouTube, you've got um, a changed hockey culture sweatshirt hanging up behind you. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with that and, and what can we change in the culture and uh, how, how can we change it for the better? I think we just need to continue to have the conversation to educate. So like even hearing about everything about Black Lives Matter, it's, it's, it's a conversation like I'm, I'm half uh, Cree First Nations. And, but I didn't grow up on a reserve. I don't claim to understand some of the hardships that, that some people have gone through. My mom is, is uh, of Cree uh, descent, First Nations, and, and my mom actually um, grew up on uh, a reserve in Alberta, uh, uh, Mosquachese in, in, in Alberta, and my mom actually um, was, was forced to go to um, uh, residential school for the first couple of years of her, of her life. And, and even just, you know, at the time of this recording, you know, a few days ago was, was Orange Shirt Day in Canada, which was, you know, it, it's an awareness around residential schools and these kids, the time, Orange Shirt Day is always at the end of September because that's the time that the kids were actually taken from their homes and forced to go to residential schools. So all these, you know, Indigenous kids forced to go to the these these schools run by the church and stripped of all their identity and cut their hair and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the causes of, you know, an orange shirt day or, you know, the change hockey culture, the, the Black Lives Matter, um, you know, comes back to just, first of all, conversation and education. Because even going through and, and watching what the world's been going through the last few months, I, so what I was saying is I, I, I appear white. So I have definitely had white privilege in my life. And I didn't even know what that was. 
it's like you're just i i you know i i never i've never had to um it, it, to to confront it it's never been part of my world so just ignorant a little bit to it and so so even even with a podcast it's like you know like teach me like i want to learn like i'm i i don't claim to you know it, it's from a place of just educating people and 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 when when you listen to someone that's actually gone through the experience you can kind of reflect and like wow i i really have had i didn't have to go through that that's what privilege is you didn't you don't have to wake up and worry about that so that's you have privilege so you know i didn't even realize the privilege that i've had um you know in 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 Canada and where I grew up and even in the hockey world. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, um, I, I want to learn and I, and I want to grow and I want to support the cause and I want to support the conversation. Yeah. I think that helps when you have people on with their own stories of experience to share them. It hopefully allows the people listening to put be, to be able to better put themselves in another person's experience and and perspective and in their shoes and be able to go, oh wow, my life is so different than yours, and um, that gives me a better understanding of of what you've gone through if you've gone through something that's you know challenging. So that's uh, that's that's amazing what you're going to be doing. Uh, very excited to hear the first, first episode. It's out of my comfort zone to, to, to start a podcast, to, to host a podcast. And, and I think for, for all of us to lean into that fear a little bit, to, to expand our comfort zone is where our growth happens. So, you know, you, you lean in, you go for it and, and, and it's, it'll get easier. It'll get more familiar. And then you look to the next thing, like how else could I grow? How else could I improve? So, you know, this is, that's how I want to live my life. And this is kind of the next thing for me. All right. Breezy, is it time for our final three questions? I think it might be. All right. We <laughs> ask all our guests these questions. So you are no exception, Brad. Who is your favorite hockey hunk? <laughs> My favorite hockey hunk. Well, I've never been asked that question before. Uh, and I, the, with a little bit of bias on, on, on the screen, I, I want to support the, the Tyler Sagan um, uh, opinion. He's, uh, he looks pretty good with his shirt off. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, we agree with that. We just had uh, our, we're two for two now, two in a row with uh, with that, Breezy. Yeah. Our, our last guest uh, said Sagan. Uh, who, who is your favorite hockey lady? Wow. Um, well, I love you guys. We're, I, I, I love what you guys are bringing. And, and I would like to give a shout out to Tara Sloan on uh Hockey Night in Canada Network and and uh, hometown hockey. I think she's she's really given a great dynamic with with Ron McLean and and just her insights and and her um, her empathy that she has that she brings to those conversations. And she's such a an advocate for women in sport and women broadcasters. And and she's been doing a great job. So definitely Tara Sloan. 
last week we didn't really have a story because, well, that was our first non-story in like the last 10 episodes. But <laughs> do you have a Sidney Crosby story? Ooh. A Sidney Crosby story. I, I don't. I haven't, I haven't crossed paths in him, with him in any shape or form. I mean, the, the only thing I know about Sidney Crosby is that his work ethic is top notch. Like that's not, um, that's not pretend. That's not just, you know, talk. Every player that I've heard talk about Sidney Crosby is that his work ethic is, um, you know, he, he, he's one, he's the best in the world for a reason because of, of how, how hard he works. And, and even he came into the league um, as kind of a 5'11 frame in a, in a over six feet world. So, and he was able to find success. So, you know, he's everything that I've heard about Sydney is, is, uh, is is about hard work well thank you so much brad i am so looking forward to uh listening to your your first episode of your podcast on the hockey podcast network tell everybody one more time the name and uh when the first episode will be out the name is the life after hockey podcast and the first episode will be out for the second season, the start of the second season of the Hockey Podcast Network, October 14. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.